Hey there, on this 12-29-2021, it's EDB, that's Eric Deshaun Bear, and I believe you connected to this because you're ready for our Wednesday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Well, good morning to all of you. Good morning. Hallelujah, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, uh, we had a, uh, a few attempts to try to find Mama Bell. Could not find her. So, uh, we called her like four times. She did not answer the phone, so we are, Hoping and praying she's all right, but till now we don't really know. But uh, but keep her in your prayers this morning. Uh, that's uh, all the wonderful announcements I have for you. I'll just step aside and remove you to your personalized prayers think that it's on your heart At whatever time, my dear grandmother, that you feel you uh, may have a few moments to, to pray for us. Most holy and all wise, Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you, O oh God, that you watched over us all night. Woke us up this morning, God. And God, we thank you for giving us a mind to praise you and to magnify your name. We thank you, dear God, because you kept us, kept all hurt, harm, and dangers from us. You didn't let the fire gut us out, but yet, oh God, you kept us safe, and we thank you. We praise you this morning, God. And as we go forth this day, God, we ask you to go before us as leading lambs and behind us as God and protecting angels. Keep us, oh God. Teach us your way, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, to ever look to you from whence cometh our health and strength. Help us to praise and to magnify you. God, help us, O oh God, as we go today. Help us to be shining lights in this dark world. Help us to shine. Shine on us, God, that we may shine for you, that we may bring glory to your name, God. 
that we may let others know how sweet you are, how much you love us all. Oh, God, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning to just praise and to magnify your holy and righteous name. We just thank you, God. Look on our nation, God. You know about every situation, every problem, every heartache, every disappointment. God, in the name of Jesus, we commit it all to you. Because, God, you the only one can fix it. And, God, we ask you to look upon us. Look upon our president. Look upon, oh, God, our Congress, our Senate, our, oh, God, the mayor and all. Just down the line of those that's in authority, God, that's making decisions for us, God. We ask you to look on this morning. Lead them and guide them in your way, God. Help them, oh God, to make the right decisions, God. We put it all in your hands and we say thank you. We just praise you this morning. God, we lift this bell up before you this morning. God, you knows all about her. We ask you to touch her right now from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. Minister to her, God. You understand, you see, and you knows all things. And we say thank you. Bless sick everywhere in the hospitals, in the nursing home, in the convalescent. God, wherever they might be this morning, pain might be wrecking their body. But we're praying this morning for them, God, and we're asking you to touch them. You're the only one who's that great physician, that great healer, that great deliverer. And we put it all in your hands, God. We're giving it to you, God, because you the only one can work it out and only one can fix it. And we said thank you this morning. We just praise you. We magnify your name, God. And we just love you because of who you are. It's because who we are. You, oh God, has called us. You chose us. You have made the way for us. And we thank you this morning. We just thank you and love you this morning, God. And God, we give your name, your name, Holy Father, Merciful Father, Gracious Father. We give it to you. And we say thank you. We love you. We praise you. And we magnify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. If I can... Return for just a few moments back to the book of Matthew. Uh, Chapter 2. And I wish to look at Verse number 16. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 16 says, Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men flew into a rage he gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem 
who were two years old and under. In keeping with the times, he learned from the wise men. Then, what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping a great morning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. I don't really know why I read verse 17 or 18, because that did not, at least in my consciousness, make sense to the cause. But we'll deal with this for a little bit and see what we get. I want to, if I can, look at this Herod piece of business because it spoke to me over the last 36, 48, 72, however long it's been since Sunday. And I want to talk from the subject, the man just killed me. The man just killed me. I need you to think about that, if you can, for just a few moments, because sometimes we, well, I'm just going to hit this. As they say, get down to the nitty-gritty, down to brass tacks. The hard reality of our society is that uh, sometimes when the generation switches, every generation has had this problem. Our generation is suffering it with our parents. Our parents suffered it with their parents and their parents with their parents and their parents with their parents. It's a vicious cycle. The struggle of turning the reins over to the future, passing the baton. Nobody wants to give up hope or give up power. Most folks think, oh, well, Herod just killed these boys. He committed genocide. And then some will say, well, Herod was just feeling bad. There's a lot of theological debate to what happened in this piece of business, and I'm sure if we open this line and allowed you to read just the bottom cliff notes of your commentary, we might have one of them interesting Bible studies that I no longer wish to attend. But the main piece of business that you hear here is you have a man who wanted to know where something was that threatened him. And the first thing he did was he sent out his angels or his important people to try to kill him. It takes me back to what we discussed on Sunday about the political arena how when they don't want somebody in particular office, they'll send out feelers. They'll send out various persons to try to 
shut them down, bully them out. There's this hierarchy of power that wishes to make sure that the system stays in a certain balance. And if you dare try to do anything differently, they'll shut you down. I don't mean to take this back to that political arena full-fledged. But one of the major problems, and I think that you should know this because most of us don't pay attention to what's going on in our political movement, but I'm not trying to make you political. I just thought you might want to have some insight. In certain arenas, uh, like our state and local governments, most of us don't pay attention to that. We pay attention to the president. There's a possibility we might pay attention to the Senate. You might know who your senator is. But when you start getting down into your congressional leaders and state senators and delegates and dog catcher and womanized stopper and child abuse chaser, most folks don't know who those folks are. When you deal with political gridlock, it's because of the people we don't know. It's the reason why the people we do know can't operate. That 89th seat that I was telling you about on Sunday was so locked up by these Herod-like people that any time someone young tried to step up, Someone young tried to consider it anytime there was a possibility of a new idea or a new way of thinking, it was automatically shut down. They were wise men, if you will, designed as the gatekeepers of this seat. Until now, they found themselves trapped because there was nobody to anoint. After you start beating up everybody and bullying everybody, eventually people stop trying. I'll leave politics alone and get to another set of this point. Because this Herod man speaks to me on another level. He speaks to me on a level of a father or an old generation of men who for some reason cannot realize that those little teeny people who 20 and 30 years ago needed their diaper change now is up changing diapers. Those little teeny people who needed you to pick them up from Little League is now in a position where they're picking people up from Little League. And the anger that pursues that tries to keep that man or that little boy in that position is very treacherous throughout our nation. A lot of boys grow up to hate their fathers, and they continue to perpetrate that hatred into the next generation. Because my daddy didn't treat me right, I don't treat my children right. I talk to my children any kind of way because I'm angry 
that you could potentially now overrule me, override me. You are now in a position to be better than me. So I put you down. That's one point of that. The second point I want to ask you about when you think about Herod is, is it possible he was afraid? You know what it's like to get to the end of your life? There's certain things that you could once do that you can no longer. You know that you built yourself on the idea of being Superman, but now the kryptonite of life has seemingly overpowered you and you're weakened. And so because of your weakened state, you resort to anger. You resort to frustration. You take it out on everything and everybody that can potentially do the things that you once could. And then there's just a third piece. There's some who just don't believe that there's anybody better than them. That the world is doomed because I no longer can operate. I must keep in this position. It's a psychological balance, imbalance, I like to say. I got to stay here because if I, if I don't hold this spot, then the world is going to crumble. And how dare you feel that the world can survive without me. The world can't survive without me because I have built myself to believe that the world cannot survive without me. It's not been surviving without me now. How is it moving on without me? That's not supposed to happen. I am the breadwinner. I am the king of the mountain. I am the patriarch of this family. No, 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 no. What you mean there's somebody else? That's not possible. Now, I understand all of these attributes, but I also understand that if there's not a conversation, if there's not a moment of reality to this, we find more and more of our young boys being put in prison, more and more of our young men deciding not to pursue a greater opportunity beside deciding not to be anybody, deciding not to go anywhere. They're getting angry. And the one reason that I can tell you that they're getting angry is because of the lack of respect that is given to them. No grown man wants another grown man to treat him like he's a boy. And when you treat me like I'm a boy, you do no worse than me than Jim Crow did some 60 years ago. When you discredit my abilities, when you put down my ideas, when you try to hold down my potential, you do nothing more to me 
you leave me in no better state than Willie Lynch did to your ancestors almost 400 years ago. I believe the destruction of men by other men is the new Jim Crow. Putting down of our boys. You ain't going to be nothing. You ain't going to go nowhere. If you don't do the way I see it, then your life is nothing. I was reading an article some time ago, and I'm almost done. And in that article, it spoke about the number of young men who were locked up in jail or had babies that were thrown out all over the cities and the states. Those babies were thrown out there because the boys that did it found themselves in the same trap of their fathers. Some people say, well, they were just womanizing men and that's all they knew how to do was go out there and have babies. No. They found themselves trapped because they had pain to medicate. (laughs) One boy in the article, and I say this very loosely calling him a boy, but he was only 17, so I'll just say young man. They said, why did you have sex? He said, I did it because it just felt good. Well, didn't you know that she could get pregnant? I said, yes, he said. Well, why did you do it? Well, it just felt good to me. Well, didn't you care? About what would happen afterwards? He said, no, nobody cared about me. So watch this. I felt like that's the way the world works. These are real stories. I feel like that TV show came on, CSI. These are real stories of real people. So this morning, Brother Dennis will come to prayer. I told you I'm almost finished. And I ask as he comes that you would look at Herod not as the cold-blooded killer, not as the destructor of Jesus. That That's a great subject, and I'm, and I'm glad that you look at Herod and you say, oh, he killed all these people trying to get to Jesus. That's great. Jesus survived. There's a lot of people who survive. But what about the folks who didn't? What about the people who didn't survive the war? A lot of us live from war to war, from struggle to struggle, from heartbreak to heartbreak, from headache to headache. And yes, you have survived. But in every war you have survived, there's been collateral damage. There's been residual effects. Nobody's come out of a war unscathed. What about the emotions that were destroyed in that war? 
the feelings that was hurt in that war. This is the Herod killing. All those babies that was murdered because one man didn't have their way. The hearts that was broken because one man couldn't maintain his power. And I would like to tell you that I know the answer to the question. I know that we're supposed to tell people to turn it over to Jesus and God can work it out. I know we're supposed to tell people that no matter what somebody does to you and how they treat you, that, that God is bigger. Yes, that is true. And I would not negate that you not keep telling that message. Keep preaching to people. Because people need to know that there's a God somewhere. They need to know that there's a hope somewhere. They need to know that there's faith beyond their struggle. But what they also need to know is that somebody cares about this struggle. That somebody has the gall to stand up to these people and say, this ain't right. That people don't deserve to be treated like this. I understand that you might believe, and I'm talking to a few brothers, none of them on this line, but they might find this somewhere later on and, and tune in. Hi, how are you? You might believe the other people we're talking to now. You can just in your mind turn around and look at them like you're in church, embarrass them a little bit. You might believe that because the Bible says the man is ahead, that you can do what you want, but no, no. You might believe because you got a little authority, because you a little high polluted, a little sedate, sedate, pompous and pious, a super potentate. You can just spit in everybody's face and they're not supposed to do it. Just because you went down there and got one of them degrees, you got some board of directors to certify that you know what we already knew you knew. That's all right. But woe to the one who hurt the least of my little ones. The crackhead is just as important as the state senator, the hooker. It's just as important as the queen of Elizabeth. The drunk is just as important as the dean of Harvard. We're all created uniquely in the sight of Almighty God. And I would like to ask you today, If we can, as we head into 2022, this is our last Wednesday together, our last time in this year. Would you pray for the Herods of this world? You just saw it in the last four years. The last two now, to be precise, or one and a half, should I say, A man who, because he lost an election, invaded a whole Capitol building. 
and took people who just believed in their leader, believed in their president, and blindly led them to their not only physical slaughter, but their societal slaughter. A woman who was shot right there in the steps of the people's house. Other people who were trampled on and have mental, physical abuses that are permanently leaving them in remembrance. All because Herod couldn't have his way. This is the world, not of the Bible, this is the world of real life. So I ask you to pray, and not only for you to pray, but for you to speak out and have the spiritual and holy boldness to say, this ain't right. We shouldn't do this to people. I don't care if he's a preacher with a nice, fabulous robe that drags the flow. If he's mistreating the people, it ain't right. Because God loves the least of my little ones, of the little ones. Brother Dennis, come to pray for us as we Think about our families and our friends. And I, and if you are one of those people, I'm going to ask you to do something I have to do myself. Because you might be related to Herod. And I know what it's like. I feel your pain. Sometimes you want to take up baseball. I understand. You look at that frying pan and you feel like you could be Aaron Judge upside his forehead. I know how you feel. But it ain't worth you going to jail and losing your life behind Herod. I understand now why the text said what it said and where the old person got that song, the old hymn writer got that song, Rikeve just cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. My words are my grand, and I'm gone. If you do like Joseph did with Mary and the baby, you go look for your place and just hide and wait. Eventually, God will get the lion off your back. And then the final piece. Herod came to do what he did, but it was also the process that got what needed to happen. I was, a lady asked me the other day, I was talking to her, and I asked her, I was telling her about some stuff, going there, and she said, you know, baby, you all right, you're a beautiful person, you know, you know how people like to tell you, you, you all, you know, all that wonderful stuff, tell you about stuff, you know, some of this stuff I don't listen to. And she get through, you know, you know, trying to swell my head, telling me how good I am all the time. You know, I say, you know, if I'm so good, how come I'm being attacked so much? Why I feel so bad all the time? She said, oh, oh, baby, don't worry about that. I said, what? She said, don't worry about that. What do you mean don't worry about that? She said, don't worry about that. 
That's the devil keeping you humble. I said, huh? She said, oh, that's the devil keeping you humble. She said, if the people didn't try to kill you, you wouldn't try to run. And the fact that you tried to run means you found your place, and you found your place because you had to keep running. And the more you keep running, the better you get. And most importantly, it keeps you praying. Because if life was easy, you wouldn't know you needed help. But because the devil is doing his job, it keeps you doing your job, which keeps God doing his job. So don't worry. It's just the devil keeping you humble. I pray for you this week as we head into next year to realize that all that stuff, it's just the devil keeping you humble. Would you pray for others and yourself as Brother Dennis prays for us now? Let's pray as we head into this new month, new year, maybe a new time for you, a new time for you to spend more time with the Creator. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We just want to give you all the glory and the honor for that. We just ask you to continue to watch over us, protect us, wrap your arms around us, give us that extra special touch that we may need on a daily basis. Lord, you know what's in our minds, what's in our hearts, but most of all, what's on our souls. And we thank you that you can forgive that and forgive us on a continuous basis. And you continue to lift us up. As we lift you up, we lift you up. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just want to give you all the glory and all the honor. And everything we do, that we do it for you. In your holy, holy name, amen and amen. Have a great new year. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.